episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made for Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my good friend Reese, aka Referees. And guess what? The Chiefs are back. The Chiefs season podcasts are back, a long waited. Of course, we're going to touch the Royals. Of course, we're going to touch Sporting KC in the coming weeks. But, you know, Reese and I just could not contain our excitement to talk about the Chiefs. So today, today is the inaugural 2021 Chiefs episode. Reese, how stoked are you today that we finally, finally get to talk about a, a championship team here in Kansas City? <laughs> I am over the moon because as much fun as it was to be able to talk to the Kansas City Royals, you know, past the month of April this year, I think it was about mid-May until they began their annual tailspin, and also (laughs) keep up on Sporting Kansas City and their chase, the Supporter Shield and the MLS Cup this year. Oh, baby, oh, baby. It is exciting to see the Kansas City Chiefs, including an extra week of football. Absolutely. We are signing up for Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey's uh, undefeated season mantra this year. We're so excited for that. Before we talk about that, though, Reese, how how is your week going, man? How's everything going? Week's been good, man. Uh, a lot of my projects at work are going from like the caterpillar phase into the chrysalis phase and now starting to even turn into the butterfly phase, by which I mean we're out of planning. It is now time to execute so you know it's it's a lot of fun a lot of stuff to do but at the same time you know a lot of fun well here in found city sports media we are rooting for you reese in your new role there at boulevard we're all excited for you and yeah dude you're killing it buddy uh what did i do let's see yeah i just got destroyed in ping pong dude oh gosh they're taking you to school at table tennis so here there's there's about there's about 20, 20, 20, 25 of us here uh, that are doing chorus, compromario roles, and some lead roles in the operas. Um, so we all live in the same space, and it's it's actually a really nice group of people, uh, one of which we all enjoy ping pong. So we just did a ping pong tournament, and I w- got absolutely destroyed. And I would say that I'm pretty good at ping pong. In fact, everyone gets the like thick padded paddles, you know, like like the super pad, but I don't like that because I, I'm just too strong for the paddle, dude. So I, I go for the skinny paddle because if someone is serving, you know, coming at me with like a 20 mile per hour ping, I'm just going to chill out. You know what I mean? I can't really give the same four, so I don't want to, cause then it'll go over. So anyway, I'm using this skinny paddle and like when we're when we're just like, you know, chilling and trying to figure each other out, uh, what, volleying, I guess you can say, like I am owning it, dude. Like I'm doing so well. I'm in the zone. When we start the game, I kind of feel like Lamar Jackson in the regular season. Like I'm the unstoppable MVP. I'm a running back, but I'm also a quarterback apparently. Like I just have so many different moves in my arsenal. But then as we go through the season, I'm up by like six points. But then as we go through the season, I just go through a slump, man, a total slump. And then towards the end of the game, it's like Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. I have nothing left and I just get in my own head. And then I realize... I'm not a quarterback. I'm just a running back. Oh my gosh, you're bringing dishonor to this podcast with your ping pongery. Are they just like beating you up and taking your lunch money and leaving you for dead? I I played a total of five games. I was ahead in every single game. Uh, One point I was I was winning. I was at game point five different times and I lost. I mean, just a tragedy. Just a tragedy. 
I think it's a closing thing. I'm just, I just get in my head. And then if I see someone make a move that is abnormal to what they were doing before, then I think they have an advantage on me that I don't know about. And then I, I, I don't know where the ball's going to hit. And then it's just, it just gets goofy, dude. Just gets totally goofy. Oh my dude. I'm so, so sorry to hear that. I mean, for having Mamba mentality running through your bloodstream, like this should be this should be second nature to you, right? Well, you know, Kobe missed some game-winning shots once in a while as well. I just missed five winning game shots in a row. And it happens. So we'll see. Maybe I'll have another tournament. I'll stay tuned. I'll keep you all posted on that. By the way, I've been promoted in my um, uh, in MLB The Show. I am now on the AAA squad. I'm on the, the Omaha Storm Chasers, baby. Oh, really? Omaha Storm Chasers, I, I hit, I think, 270, but I was leading everyone in home runs, uh, hits, and RBIs. And then I was also a pitcher, and I was pitching like 319. Uh, just pitched a shutout in my debut AAA. Wow. Now, I got to ask, were you in the Royals org to begin with, or like, did you demand a yeah. high A trade? No, no, I, I, I specifically was on the Royals. So I was on the Arkansas Travelers. And then with like with Nick Prado and uh, who else? And Bobby wasn't on there because I, I was the shortstop. So I don't actually know where Bobby went. Wit, I'm sorry, Bobby Wit went. <laughs> that's a tongue, that's a tongue twister for you. I don't know where he went. I, I think I made him disappear on the game because I was the starting shortstop. Really? So like, or maybe Bobby Wit like just retired. He's like, you know, what, screwed. I, I don't want to see this major league organization. I, I know how this ends. Bob, Bobby Witt is is Michael Jordan. Didn't want his likeness on the game. Oh, that'd be so cool. So like they just have, I mean, you know, in, in a lot of NBA games they had Michael Jordan listed under a different name. You know, they'd have like Jump Man or like Player Twenty. Yeah, some like white dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or like Ultra Ninety Nine. What would Bobby Witt? Sorry, I think Barry Bonds wasn't he Mike Dowd in the. <laughs> And uh, yeah, there was I think it was Barry Bonds or someone else who didn't want their likeness in there. So it was this like really good player named Mike Dowd. Really? I think, yeah, it was this was pre steroid uh, scandal. This was like 2003, maybe 2004. I don't remember that. That's interesting to think of. One of the greatest video game players of all time. Mike Dowd. Man, see, for me, there's a giant gap of video game players between Bo Jackson, Tecmo Bowl, and like Mike Vick and NFL, or what was it, Madden 01? Uh huh. Was it 02? Whatever, 03? Whatever he was in, that he was like unstoppable. To me, those were. Those are the two. There's a whole lot of, you know, random Michael Jordan likenesses. In <laughs> it's sorry. It's John doubted. It was Barry Bonds because Barry Bonds uh, did not allow his likeness on it. So the, the MVP baseball 2005, the legend of John Dowd. The greatest fake athlete ever. MVP baseball 05? 05, dude. Wow. So like in the midst of his run for the home run record. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, when he was it 70, 72 home runs that year? Something like that. And he was probably that was right when he was chasing uh Hank Aaron at that point too. He was passing Babe Ruth and Oof. Willie Mason, those dudes. What a, what a time for baseball, Yikes. man. What a time for! I remember I was super into baseball during that time, and then steroids happened. And I was like, whatever. Picking up from from uh, from that low point, we are going to talk about some high points today because we are talking Chiefs 
training camp. Now, for those of you that have not kept tabs on the Chiefs, there's a lot of stuff going on with the Chiefs that are very promising for us Chiefs fans. So we're going to break down kind of three themes or three things that we've seen in training camp that we want to address that are definitely new to this organization, starting with the offensive line. So Reese, Reese and I talked about this. I don't know. I don't remember when our last podcast was and we talked about the Chiefs. Like we were just keeping tabs. And this was a question that I had brought up on that podcast. I said, is there a possibility that we start three rookies on our offensive line that we have spent so much time in the offseason molding, spending so much money, so much attention to? How how could the Chiefs start three rookies was kind of my question. And we we definitely both of us had called that, you know, if Trey Smith is healthy, this dude is going to be a freaking monster. And that prediction that Oracle has come to fruition. He looks incredible. But not only does he look incredible, Creed Humphreys also looks very incredible. There has been zero competition in training camp uh, with Creed and uh, um, Austin Blythe and Trey Smith or anyone else like LDT, really anyone out Wiley. There's been zero competition. Those guys are going to be, it looks like they're, they are a lock. The person that it, who's not a lock, but has gotten four days on a row now actually is Lucas Niang playing the right tackle because Mike Remmers has had back spasms for the past few days, but Niang has not been replaced by Laurent Duvernay Tardif. There has, there's been zero Laurent Duvernay Tardif in squad one during training camp. So my question to you, Reese, is it possible that Andy is going to start three rookies week one, especially for this quote unquote AFC championship preview? Well, first off, who's ever calling us an AFC Championship preview? Is that you? Did you call us an AFC Championship preview? <laughs> no, dude. Every, OG Armando. No, literally, like every morning that I wake up, I, I, I'm watching Get Up or I'm watching First Take or I'm watching Undisputed. Every, every single one of those shows has called it an AFC Championship preview. So that's not just me. This is, this is a national media hype. Uh, that is fake news. So I'm going to talk about that <laughs> later on down the road. We got so many weeks to just like completely go wild on the Cleveland Browns between now and then. Right now, though, in the present, we are absolutely talking about the offensive line. And do I think we're going to have three rookies starting week one? No. Do I think we'll Ooh. have three rookies starting at some point in the year, probably for the rest of the year? I think it's very possible. I'm hearing reports that Lucas Niang is not looking bad, but they're, he's not looking as sharp as they were hoping. Because you got to remember, a lot like Smith, Niang was sort of a coming out of college injury prospect that dropped lower in the draft than he probably would have been had he been healthy. So while I'm not saying that's, you know, one to one, it's apples to oranges, but they're still both fruit. Uh, you know, Smith is dominating. Niang probably looking about a step slower than they wanted to see. So at this point in time, if Remmers can get his back spasms under control, I think there's a really good chance that Remmers is going to be our starting right tackle week one. Heard great things from Creed Humphreys. Heard great things from Smith. I think Remmers is going to be the stopgap starting right tackle come week one. Now, if Remmers does not get the back spasms corrected by week one, is Niang the automatic shoo-in or because of what we've seen in training camp, although we've seen him do exactly what he needed to do, 
pre-training camp i mean he he's in shape he's quick but you're right he he's definitely missed some coverages did not look good against people like um Tershawn wharton he didn't look good against taco charlton he didn't look he looked okay against alex oaks okafor when they did those oldl um kind of one-on-ones um but if Remmers is if Remmers does have back spasms, do you think Niang is his replacement week one? It depends how serious those back spasms are and what's causing them. I mean, if, if Remmers can't play, he straight up can't play. And you know, I feel fine with Niang starting. I'm just saying especially coming off of injury and then coming off of the opt-out season, he doesn't seem to be the immediate plug-in to right tackle the way they hoped he would. Is his ceiling still higher than Mike Remmers? Yes, more than likely. You know, Mike Remmers is probably a league average right tackle at best. I think Niang has the chance to be a pro bowler at best. But right now, it's like, do, do you want to have five entirely new pieces on your offensive line? And three rookies, essentially, on the right side of the line. You know, with his greatest trace playing, you know, there's still two other guys you got to worry about on that side. So, again, I think Niang is going to start. I just don't think he's going to start week one unless he has to start. You know, I think Niang has enough time in training camp to really prove himself from day one to day, what is it now, four, that he's been running with, uh, with the first reps. Um he has definitely improved from that first day. The first day was a little rough. We had seen reports out from uh, Joshua Briscoe and some others there at uh, 610 Radio. But recently, we've seen him actually do really well. I saw a clip of, like I said, Niang with Alex Okafor, and he actually looked pretty good. He's in shape. He's quick. So I hope, and I, I'm i not completely confident, but I do see a way that Niang starts if this next week he really steps it up he makes the corrections that Andy Heck is trying to make him do and that really leaves some miles on Mike Remmers as well right we don't have to put Mike in there who like is partly injured and Mike was already a liability I mean I don't know if you read that that Lewis Riddick tweet we all know Lewis Riddick is like is like Andy reads like inside man like Lewis Riddick gets all his info from Andy or like Brett Veach it's it's almost like Lewis is still working for the Chiefs it's funny because he only tweets about the Chiefs, which is great. But in the tweet, he goes, uh, Chief staff loves Orlando Brown, loves Joe Tooney, really loves Creed, really loves Trey. They only need Mike Remmers to be competent. <laughs> that that was his quote from, from, from the Chief staff. You're right, you're right. But I just feel like, like you said, Niang has so much promise, so much potential. If he gets it right these next couple days, this next week, I think we could see him week one. And he even said, quote, he said, I have already started three rookies before in the past. He did it in Philly. I don't think he's done it in Kansas City. Uh, but he said this is nothing new to him, and he really trusts Andy Heck. So... I hope it happens because if we go in there week one with all new starters and we just bulldoze the Browns, I mean, imagine first take that next Monday. You know, they're 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 going to be crowning all of them sainthood. Well, I would like to point the court's attention to my client's case a couple weeks ago in regards to who's playing backup left tackle. No, I'm, I'm dead serious on that, though. Uh, who is playing backup left tackle is my thing. I, I still think your best option 
heaven forbid, should Orlando Brown go down, is to plug Niang over on the left-hand side because it's been seen during practices and OTAs. He's been taking reps at the left tackle position so we can swing back and forth. Especially now that Kyle Long is injured, so there really isn't a whole bunch of depth at right tackle right now. Right. Do you know what the answer is if we lose our left tackle? So if we lose left tackle, yeah, it's going to be some semblance of remmers niang uh it could be even wiley i know they really like prince tega wanogo i don't know if i'm saying his name right but i think that is the the conglomerate unfortunately the like 2020 trend of let's just put you know someone from the tackle over in the guard let's put guards and tackles which we're going to talk about a little later honestly but uh but i think that's the semblance maybe some wiley maybe some prince tega that's kind of what I see. I don't know. It's it, it is a little fishy. And with that, this actually is a good segment, Reese. Um, sorry, a good segue with those starters. So let's say it is Remmers, right? Let's say it's it's Orlando Brown, Tooney, Creed, Trey Smith and Remmers. How excited are you for this offensive line? Because with that projection, um, I, I think it's fantasy. No, not fantasy focus. Uh, football focus pro football focus i believe uh they rank the chiefs o-line with that they actually rank them ninth in the nfl so how excited are you do you believe in that ninth ranking better worse um i think ninth is pretty fair right now i think they have room to go up i think it's more likely they climb the ladder to the ceiling than it is they fall through their floor uh, I'm a little bit worried about Orlando Brown because there was talk about would he be able to adjust to Andy Reid's system, playing more of a pass pro left tackle as opposed to the kind of that run left tackle they had back in Baltimore. Now, I think he can really kill both between him and Tooney on that left-hand side, and that's really going to open up some holes for Clyde Edwards-Alaire to really have a breakout sophomore season. But more than anything else, I just want to see Patrick Mahomes stay up on his feet. So if he can be better at pass pro than run blocking, I'd be super happy. But, I mean, there's a lot of talent across that line. And if we want to go into who their backups are across the line as well, this is a deep line unit suddenly. I would say the offensive line has done more of a 180 in this season than the defense even did the year they fired Bob Sutton, brought in Tyron Matthew, and won the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts? Wow. Wow, that's that's bold. No, I, I, I agree with you, though. This is a very impressive offensive line and stuff we're hearing from training camp. Creed Humphrey is just in sync with Patrick Mahomes, a very intelligent center that, that seems to be just really loving all of the reps that he's getting with pat pat also loving being with creed humphrey um so that's really great to see and then obviously trey smith like watching video of this dude he is an absolute monster like he is huge but he is also incredibly versatile and very athletic which is so strange to see right it's either a huge guy that's slow or someone a little bit slimmer that can be fast but you get both from trey and the energy level that he gives is just it, it's crazy dude and then of course we've seen some great video from Tooney. Um, Orlando Brown didn't have the greatest first day, but um, since then we've actually seen Orlando Brown stuffing Chaco, uh, Chaco Tarleton. Whoops, three, two, one. Actually, keep it in. That's funny. We saw Orlando <laughs> Brown stuffing Taco Charlton. Um, so it's great to see his athleticism as well. I mean, we're it. Uh, I'm just glad everything is happening because there was a universe where Trey wasn't going to be great. There was a universe that Creed Humphrey was was just going to be in competition with Austin Blythe. Uh, there was a universe that Orlando Brown just wouldn't, like you said, you know, wasn't going to gel with the system. 
but everything seems knock on wood dude seem things seem to be working and hot take mondo this offensive line is elite I think that we are a top five offensive line just watching training camp, even with Mike Remmers being quote unquote competent. This is a top five line. This is going to be a Chiefs team we've never seen before. Hot take Mondo. I like your takes, but as hot as your takes may be, I'm about to drop one that's going to be straight up grease fire on you. Oh, no. Oh, no. That if all things considered, if Trey Smith stays healthy and stays through a second contract with the Kansas City Chiefs, you can chalk him up as a Kansas City Chiefs Ring of Honor Hall of Famer today. Wow. This is is a receipt. Vegas bookie, take this one down right now. Trey Smith will be in the Ring of Honor with the Kansas City Chiefs. The stuff I'm seeing coming out of training camp, these Twitter videos... The only way I can describe this, and this is going up against some of our best guys even. You know how like when a dad will play sports with his kid and you know, he's just kind of like standing there. Like, you know, basketball, you're gonna drive around your dad and he might kind of like turn 45 degrees and take a shuffle or two to the left and you know, play a bit of defense. That is what it looks like with Trey Smith playing right guard right now, going against Chris Jones, going against Wharton, going against some of these big boys on our team. So the fact that this is a grown man amongst grown men, and he still looks like a wall, ring of honor, Trey Smith, start making the space. (laughs) Reese, you're not allowed to have more fire takes than I am, dude. That's my freaking name. We're going to have to rename you, man. We're going to have to rename referees. To hot take Reese as well. Hot take senior over here. Jeez. Dude, hot take senior. I like that. I like the ring to it. Mm. Well, I guess that would be my dad, so never mind. You, you're, we're going to have to give true. you another name, though, because I know we're all going to have hot takes for this entire season. Let's move on to another hot take that we had made on the previous podcast as well. I talked about having Chris Jones at defensive end, and I know you and I debated that a little bit. It's looking like he has taken more reps at defensive end than he has taken in defensive tackle, uh, which has been incredibly interesting, and he looks great. Uh, Chris Jones lost 15 pounds. Wow. He's definitely faster, definitely, definitely quicker, and still has the power that he had at defensive tackle. So, Reese, how much defensive end are we going to see from Chris Jones? And another caveat, Frank Clark is, is playing. There is no sense that they are going to suspend him. There is no sense that he, I mean, knock on wood, that he's going to have prison time. Andy Reid's playing him like he's going to play week one. So have that in the back of your mind as well. What are we going to see from CJ this year? I think we're going to see, goodness gracious, I think we're going to see a lot of Chris Jones on the defensive end. You see it with a lot of these defensive, uh, elite defensive pass rushes, as you'd like to say, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers teams like that they're really rotating those defensive tackles inside outside upside living la vida loca but we haven't really seen that with the chiefs offensive line for the better part of the last three seasons to be honest chris jones has been an interior tackle and constantly compared to aaron donald subsequently frank clark's been sticking to the outside that's it but I think there's a good chance with the pieces we have and the pieces we brought into the offseason, we're going to see a lot more rotation to keep 
teams guessing. That way, when Spags has to call some sort of crazy disguised blitz package on third down, people aren't going to immediately go, oh, everyone's lined up differently than they normally are. Something weird's going to happen on this play. Be on guard. Because every play we're going to be lined up differently and looking weird. I think that's a big, big bonus. Reese, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring up a devil's advocate scenario. Mm -hmm. With having a complete versatile defensive line to switch up, that unfortunately sounds like the 2020 Chiefs offensive line. Now, I know they had to be versatile, but do we really want to mirror what had happened on that offensive line of having these versatile players. I mean, I'm just being devil's advocate because that did not work for us last year. Fruit salad is yummy, yummy, but right now you're still comparing apples to oranges. You cannot (laughs) compare rotating healthy positions on a defensive line versus a triage unit revolving door offensive line last year. That's the only reason why they were switching those roles up. They had to do it week by week. It was kind of like, all right, guys, we got a left tackle this week. Oh, we need, we need left guard who are you supposed to play left guard show of hands <laughs> who's People, who's andrew wiley i don't know let's put him in who's who's wisniewski <laughs> who, who's andrew kilgore <laughs> who's brutus beefcake <laughs> make it make it work heck make it work but what i'm saying is the defensive line will be prepared to rotate into whatever position they need they'll have these packages down they'll know their assignments they'll know their roles that's something that that's an that's a luxury the offensive line last year did not have like a single week yeah i know i was i was just trying to be facetious honestly and just in case anyone argued with us and said well that's that's what your offensive line did no having you're right having a versatile defensive line having chris jones and frank clark on the edges and not just you know chris jones defensive tackle chris jones who really is playing into this defensive end role and loving the role and excelling in the role i mean we've seen videos of him matched up against tooney tooney joe tooney is an amazing offensive lineman he looked like an eighth grader up against chris jones chris jones absolutely bulldozes him in this twitter video i saw uh, as well as orlando brown which actually you know i give orlando brown some credit when we see bad plays that's okay because he just went up against at least the second best defensive lineman in the NFL right now to Aaron Donald. So I always give them a pass when I see these videos. I'm like, Chris Jones is actually that good. And yes, he's playing a different position. He is still that good. He is still Aaron Donald caliber. It's not Aaron Donald tier one, tier two, Chris Jones, Miles Garrett. No, no, no. Chris Jones is in that category and having him with Frank Clark. Of course, we have others that are new to our team like Jaron Reed, who looks amazing as well. We've brought Alex Okafor back. Derek Nandi looks great. Tackle Charlton looks good. Even Colin Sanders. We're hearing Colin Sanders buzz. I mean, this defensive line has so much to it. Adding to that versatility, we also have numbers this year. I know we struggled a lot with injuries last year on the defensive line. So having that bolstered numbers, I mean, I haven't even talked about Tim Ward. We're hearing some stuff about Joshua Kendo as well. I mean, that is a ton of people on that line that might be able to produce for us. It could be pretty scary. I don't want to talk about elite yet for the defensive line. The offensive line gets the elite sticker. Defensive line doesn't get it yet, but boy, are they knocking on that door. I think the defensive line has the opportunity to be 
very capable and adept. There's a lot of rotating talent. It's just a matter of, as I say with almost every sport, can we get consistency out of them? His rookie year, we saw a lot of flashes out of Kalen Saunders that he could be something special, but then he had like that weird elbow hyperextension last year in like the first few weeks, and he all but disappeared for the rest of the season. Taco Charlton's the same way. We've all seen what the guy can do, but can he put it together consistently? Now, it looked like he was en route to doing that last year until he had that season-ending ankle injury. But, you know, again, that's something we need to be able to depend on. I'm not so worried about players playing out of position on the line this year so much as I am the defensive line having their own version of the offensive line's woes last year where it's like, oh crap, well, who can we plug into this? You know what? Screw the whole thing. Chris Jones is going back on the interior for this game. Uh, you know, and we'll maybe give him a snap or two on third down on the defensive end. I mean, I'll be yeah, that's the worst case scenario. And any good person will tell you that anxiety is just the result of thinking about how could this go wrong instead of how could this go right. <laughs> Reese really taking one from his therapist or his leader thing that we've talked about. Reese talking to the third person, but now Reese being the positive person. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you to your therapist. Um, Reese, who are we predicting on that defensive line week one for this AFC championship preview? Uh, who are, well, uh, since, you know, we don't know positions, just give me the four best defensive linemen that we're going to put out there. I think our four best options on the line would be obviously Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Jerron Reed, and Taco Charles. I think that's our fab four. Whether or not that's what we actually wind up seeing, you know, I think we see, like you've mentioned, probably a healthy rotation of some Kalen Saunders, some Joshua Kando in there, amongst a few other players. But I would say that would be our week one defensive front four. What about you? What are your takes on that? You're probably right, but I'd. I need to have a different take than you. So I'm switching out Taco Charlton with Tershawn Wharton. Just because really? of what we saw with Tershawn Wharton during the 2020 season. Like, we're not hearing a ton of buzz from training camp from Tershawn Wharton. But because he played so well, I mean, how many highlight plays did we see? I remember I remember that first week. I was like, who's Tershawn Wharton? Because I think he had like he had one sack or two sacks. I don't remember. But I specifically remember that that first podcast that we did from the 2020. I was like, I didn't even know this guy was on our team. And we saw time and time again throughout the season him making big plays. And again, athletic he's agile he can he can fit anywhere um, and having those I think where he excelled the most last year was in those disguise blitz packages because if you have uh, Reed Jones Clark who are already in their own right you know sack specialist right they all know how to get to the quarterback and know how to get to it really well you have another sneaky guy who can get to the quarterback then like you were saying then you have a nightmare for the Buccaneers you have a nightmare for the Browns because you don't know where these blitz packages are going to go from. And of course, we're going to talk a little later about the linemen. Um, but having th those four being so sneaky, that's going to be awesome. I think, we'll a, I think a big part of defensive line play is going to start from the trickle down that we know that Chris Jones is going to get double teamed more often than not. 
Now, after that, it means Frank Clark, you got to beat your one-on-one -on -one assignments, and whoever is getting laxed up because Chris Jones has taken those double teams needs to feast on their assignments. So I'm looking at you, Taco Charlton. I'm looking at you, Kalen Saunders. I'm looking at you, Mike Dana. If Chris Jones is going to be occupied, at that point, everyone needs to play their roles. Speaking about not playing their roles, did you see Miles um, Garrett like trip over that um that like inflatable defensive line it was like the stupidest <laughs> drill ever conceived i mean it, it looked like a carnival game you know like when you have the bungee cord you have to like run oh sorry that, that was miles garrett that was like that was clowny sorry that was Javion clowny i mean you know potato apples potato, and oranges right potato potato you know the, the great defense that is now the cleveland browns that has been retooled and will average three points allowed per game Sports Media. Uh, we forgot to do our uh, social media shout out. Reese, why don't you give a social media shout out before we continue? And we forgot our social media shout out. We forgot telling everybody what favorite time of the podcast is what. Man, we're just completely off script. This is a loose cannon uh. show. We'll do it live. I'm done. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm willing to give us a second Never chance. mind. Don't follow us on social media. No, follow unfollow us on social me. media. Unsubscribe. Please follow us on social media. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our social media, Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at Fountain City SM. You can find us on Facebook if anyone still uses Facebook at Fountain City SM. And you can find us on Patreon at <laughs> patreon.com backslash FCSM, where we have premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. That Instagram follower count is going higher and higher, and we're getting more and more interactions. So please tell your friends, keep following. If you like your memes as dank as your IPAs, you know where to go. They're they're great. I was I was teasing someone here in the program who doesn't follow sports, but was really interested in our podcast. Uh, every time that 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 you post a meme, I was like, "Look how funny this meme is!" And they're like, "I have no idea what that means." And I was like, "But you love memes." It's definitely Kansas City specific, just for you, Kansas City fans, just for you. Guess what? I have the perfect meme for that situation, which I might drop in their honor and just tag them in it. <laughs> Good. Do it. Do it. I can't wait. All right. I also can't wait for the best segment of the podcast, the favorite of the podcast, the unpolled favorite, but we know it's the favorite of all. Yes, it is the beer review and this week in beer. So let's talk about this week in beer. This is actually a, a sad segment today, especially for those fans that maybe don't like craft beer. So yes, I'm looking at you, Kyle. Um, Molson Coors is retiring 11 beer brands. Say psych right now. <laughs> no, they are they are retiring 11 of them and get ready. This is this is going to be sad for, you know, we love craft beers, but we also uh, like these traditional ones that are going to go away. So here they are. Here are the 11 beers that are going to be retired this year. And maybe we can put in some like sad music or something. Rest in peace to Ham's Special Light. Rest in peace to Henry Weinhardt. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna jump in right away. Ham's Ham's branded general or just Ham's Special Light? Uh, just Ham's Special Light. Oh well, don't let the door hit you. <laughs> I'll just read them off and I've see. I've never if, heard of see it. See if anyone gives you a give gives you a cry. 
Um, Henry Weinhardt's Private Reserve. <laughs> Ice House Edge. <laughs> Key Lightful. <laughs> what are these? <laughs> what? Key Lightful, which is <laughs> just Keystone. <laughs> But like a version of well, it. <laughs> I, I've never even heard of that. Maybe that's why they're retiring it. Uh, Keystone Ice. Th- okay, that's the first one I recognize. Okay. okay. Magnum. Magnum. Why do I know Magnum? Interesting. Okay, okay. Mickey's Ice. Oh. So Mickey's will still be there, but Mickey's Ice is being retired. There's more than one Mickey's? Isn't this just malt liquor? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, all of these, I had I had no idea there was these spinoffs. Miller High Life Light. So Miller High Life will still be a thing, but Miller High Life Light is will not be a thing, which makes sense because Miller High Life is like already light. I mean, how many calories is in Miller High Life Life? Two? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Milwaukee's Best premium okay old english hg 800 don't ask me what hg 800 means and then steel steel reserve 211 which actually is the steel reserve one oh that's like the og steel yeah. reserve so i think that Ew. is that's the, that's the only legitimate one the rest of them are spin-offs that you maybe are at liquor stores i I, i've never heard of uh keystone ice or key lightful no i actually want to look at what key lightful is (laughs) these all seem like made up things you know like ways people got around branding and video games without having licensing or something like that i've never heard of legitimately probably 10 of those 11 (laughs) maybe 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 eight or nine maybe eight or nine it looks like all of these were like light series of the ones that we know like keystone hams mickey's miller high life Uh, they're all the like light version of them and i think people just realize that they're all light beers anyway yeah seriously so they say in in retiring these brands miller cores hopes to strengthen its more profitable premium brands and allow for further investment in yes you guessed it hard seltzer portfolios i mean that's smart good for them for like actually reading the market and doing something about it now the question is because they actually make decent seltzers and uh i'm gonna guess the answer is no because didn't (laughs) didn't coors make zima didn't they try doing this like 25 years before everybody else was on top of it um i don't remember that i mean i i'm still not on the seltzer game so i couldn't tell you i had never heard of zima (laughs) zima was like a malt beverage they did in like the 90s so maybe it wasn't technically a seltzer but i think seltzers are malt beverages but yes yeah i don't know seltzers are malt beer you're correct so i I don't want to rip on coors too bad because you know i i enjoy coors banquet beer i think coors banquet beer is good i think coors light is crispy in a pitcher at the bowling alley i that was the very first brew i actually went to you know so of course (laughs) of coors uh, i'm just glad they left pbr alone because i know there's been rumor that you know uh, PBR has been gonna be getting the axe. I didn't know so, PBR was owned by Molson Coors. Are they owned by Molson Coors or Miller? Because I thought I thought uh, Molson Coors owned like all of those retro beer things, like Hams, Schlitz, Old Style, PBR, like all the ones that all look the same, but they're technically different old-fashioned <laughs> style beers. If if PBR gets disbanded, then I know that I'm officially old because then it's like the trends are gone. People are only drinking seltzers. It, it, It is unfathomable to me or unthinkable to me that young kids that are drinking now have never had a PBR. That's weird. Yeah. 
That's weird. Dude, they're too they're so chuggy now. Uh, this, apparently, I mean, they're all going away. So, so rest in peace to those eleven beers. I apologize to all our Kansas City fans that may love a good Ice House Edge Keystone Ice. I'm looking at you, Noah Metzger. And yes, I did. I did say your name right this time. Um, so there we go. Rest in peace. But now let's talk about some fun stuff and kind of lighten up this favorite segment. I will be reviewing a beer today. Um, and let's make sure that it's cold. Is it cold? <laughs> it's cold, man. Um, then without further ado, Reese, I will be reviewing Brewery Omegang's Wit Beer today. Ooh, tasty, tasty. You got to remind me, what's, what's, is it just called Wit? Yep, it's just called Wit. It's a, uh, for those of you out there, Wit style, that's a Belgian style wheat ale. And yeah. I, I thought I remembered once upon a time it having a name, you know, like they have Idle Days Pilsner, you know, and Hennepin, oh. which is, but I mean, I, I may have misremembered the portfolio is changing. That brewery is doing a lot of great things. So speaking of great things, we have a great reviewing system for those of you playing at home. It is unique to this podcast. We have five special categories. Armando will rate from one to 10 sequentially, starting with aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel and aftertaste so let's get rolling and be like bobby witt jr and make some sense of this wit aroma what does it smell like all right aroma let me pour this into a glass all right pouring this baby into a glass let's let's give it a good smell yeah smells great um i've had the now caveat i've had this beer before love the beer but it's it's this is the first time that i've actually dissected it um so this beer you get uh, a good amount of the the malt smell um again i don't know how much malt would be in a wit beer but um you definitely get a malty kind of graham crackery smell uh definitely typical of like a wheat lager something of that style uh, so smells true to the style. Belgian beers to me uh, smell a little bit darker. In does that make sense? Like the smell is oh, absolutely. Darker? Yeah, and and I always get that from a Belgian style. Even though it's a light beer, they're always just maybe more breadcrumby. Maybe that's I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say, but but yeah, I I really enjoy that. It usually usually the Belgian ales have more flavor than like an American style of the same thing. So yeah, I'm excited. Smells good. Smells on style. How about a seven point seven point seven? Seven seven's good. Are you getting anything like any orange or coriander or clove out of there? Uh, that was a good question. Um, I I kind of get some banana y like hefeweizen smell to it. Uh, but yeah, yeah I know fair. this is made with orange peel and coriander, but I don't smell that off the bat. Totally fine. Hefs and wits are cousins. You know, it's easy to get them confused. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the next category, we have appearance. What does that beautiful wit beer look like? And actually, just to talk about coriander, coriander is like um, almost like a lemon smell, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a very herby, earthy, citrusy kind of smell okay. to it. Yeah, and I, I didn't get that on the smell, but maybe I'll get it on the... What am I doing? Appearance? 
appearance i won't get that on the appearance we'll talk about it for flavor (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh it looks like coriander (laughs) so appearance kind of similar to what i smell it right it the the belgian style is a little darker and you can it it does look a little darker now we're not i'm not saying like it's just like a dark brown it still is a nice gold uh gold color uh a little bit hazier though not as translucent as maybe an american style wit so so yeah, there, there, there's a lot more depth that you can see in it. The, the head retention is excellent on this beer. Um, exactly what I want to see. 8.4. All right. I like that. I'm liking how this beer is going right now. Now, you're going to like this beer even more because it is now Category 3 flavor. What does that wit taste like? Yeah, great. Okay. I get a little bit of the orange peel. I kind of want a little more on it. I'll talk about that on aftertaste, actually. Um, but almost like a cinnamon flavor. Is, is that the coriander? There's a good chance uh, that could be the coriander, to be honest. It's it's a very... What is that coming from? It's a very earthy, spiced flavor. It might be the clove you're tasting in there. Mm, There's okay, a lot of yep. clove and wits, generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, if we're talking clove to citrus balance, this is like 80% clove for me on the taste. Um, yeah, it, it that I really like that. You get the cinnamon, very similar style to the Hef. I don't know the difference between Belgian a Belgian white and a Hef. They're very similar. One's a Belgian wheat beer, one's a German wheat beer. Mm-hmm. Wits will generally have that citrus note and the coriander notes. Hefeweizens generally have a very banana bready flavor to them, yeah. with maybe a little bit of bubblegum action going on there. Yeah, so it's kind of not apples to oranges, as I said this podcast, ah. but oranges to bananas. <laughs> and, Told and, you I was going and, somewhere with that. And I do get a good amount of that, though, still. I still get that banana flavor. I get that bread crummy uh, flavor as well. So it's kind of a good mix. I, I know it's a wit, but boy, do I get a lot of like hints of a, of a Hefeweizen just for my personal taste. Totally. Great beer, a lot of depth, a depth. A, a lot of flavor, uh, which I love on the Belgian ales, like I said, very different than American. Um, an 8.7. All right. All right. We're moving on up. I'm loving this. So now we have to move to category four, which is going to be the mouthfeel. I'll be very curious to see what the mouthfeel of this beer is like, considering its bready qualities. Yeah, mouthfeel is great, man. It, it, it is a very heavy mouthfeel for a white ale. Um, which I, I, I really enjoy because that's true to its flavor. Uh, like I said, you, it has a hazy color to it, so therefore it's a little heavier, and you do feel it on the mouth. Um, I know mouthfeel isn't really about taste, but boy, when you let that beer sit, you get a ton of that clove. Um, it's Like I said, that ratio is like 80-20 for me, um, and I enjoy that. That's great. Let's do an 8.6. I think 8.6 is fair, and I think what you said about mouthfeel affecting the flavor in those regards is fair, because how many people do you know that don't like a food, and they say it's not the taste, it's the texture? Right. Which, honestly, I think I'm I think I'm think one of those people, because I don't like coconut. Really? Because I think I'm eating paper. What about drinking, like, coconut water? Yeah, no, I, I enjoy coconut water, I enjoy co- coconut milk, but if it's, like, actually, you know, oh, I put coconut in this cake, then it's like, why am I eating paper? fascinating fascinating i don't know well 
What isn't weird is the fact that we're on category number five now, which is aftertaste. What are your thoughts on this wit after you've had a few sips and a few breaths? So now this is interesting because you do get a different taste on the aftertaste. Um, this is where the citrus comes in. And I don't know if that's scientific at all or not, but you do get the citrus. You do get that orange peel, peel flavor, which I know is featured in this beer. Um which is nice, which is nice. It's a little more sour on the back because you got this like sweet flavor with the coriander um, or sorry, that clove flavor, you know, the banana texture in the front. But now on the back, actually, I do get more of the coriander then because coriander we would associate with like a lemony flavor and like tangy. Um, so that is what I get on the on the back end. And I don't know if that's scientific or that's just my own body deciphering the different flavors of it. But I think that's pretty cool. That's uh, kind of nuanced for me. How about a nine? Ooh, a nine. Nine aftertastes. That's really cool. I mean, a lot of beers open up. How many times have we said it with IPAs? You know, it's like I'm tasting more of the hot bitterness in the back half of this beer than I am when it's going down. So right. it'll be that way sometimes. Now, our sixth secret category, as always, is BDQ, which stands for best decide quickly what bdq you're gonna give (laughs) you know the bdq on this is actually very unique because when's the last time that you had a belgian style white ale i i mean the last time i had one is maybe avery last year because avery has like a belgian white um but it's it's not a very common style you know for just your standard breweries uh even new breweries now you know a lot of people won't do belgian style beers because hazy's the trend uh stouts are the trend you know but but a good belgian style white ale is not trendy so for a brewery to do it well a brewery to be known for it and to have all the nuanced flavors is super cool and i'm right by the brewery which is also nice and the quality of the beer is amazing because they probably canned it you know the day before and i got it from the source so with all those in mind this is a pretty awesome bdq 9.4 armando giving a favorable review to oma gang's wit beer armando before we end this segment i have to ask uh this week in craft beer are you going to oma gang to go see the modest mouse concert what <laughs> yeah modest mouse is playing oma gang dude when oh crap is it tonight no way it might be tonight it might be th- well they, they have that big concert series they do because they have you know acres and acres of land and it's gorgeous and and pre-covid i heard for like five bucks you could bring a tent and just like camp out in the grounds dude modest mouse saturday saturday from seven to ten you doing a show what the heck that's wild. I almost saw the Decemberists and Primus when I was up there, but both times we had like a dress rehearsal, so I couldn't go. Dude, I'm going to send this to all the peeps in the in the show Do right it. now. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, ooh, 50 bucks. To, to, to see Modest Mouse at a brewery in the middle of nowhere where you can drink yeah. yourself into a happiness, you know, it's, I mean, come on, come on. We'll see. Stay stay tuned, Kansas City fans. Make sure you donate to our Patreon so I have enough money to go to uh, Modest Mouse. All right, sending Armando to Modest Mouse 2021. <laughs> Armando, on the ground, how was the concert? I, I would say we could start a super pack for you to go to that, but would that make Modest Mouse Super Pack a rat pack? Hey! back to your least favorite segment the end of the show because you love our show yeah true 
very true. Reasoning checks out. <laughs> true. Go, go on, Armando. Sorry, I was just trying to segue and that didn't work, but we're going to keep it in because, you know, this is our podcast and we do whatever we want. You know who else does whatever he wants? Who? Noah Gray. Oh, dude, who would have who would have thought, you know, of course, there was Noah Gray buzz when we drafted Noah Gray, but not to the extent that we thought that there was going to be a potential two tight end offense with the Kansas City Chiefs week one. Uh, Reese, I was going to ask you what is the biggest surprise in training camp, uh, but I will not ask that. I will just say Noah Gray is freaking amazing. And what do you have to say about that? I think Noah Gray is really talented and people call him baby Kelsey. He runs routes very similar to Travis Kelsey. I'm not sure he's as explosive or as crisp as Kelsey yet. Remains to be seen. I know he's a little smaller, but I was excited when we got him. The big question is going to be, is this a tight end two that we have drafted or is this the Travis Kelsey heir apparent by the time his rookie contract runs out and Travis is age 36? I don't know, but what I do know is I think it'll be a very interesting rookie year for Noah Gray, especially considering we don't have a definitive wide receiver number two. Now, I know he's a tight end, you know, but I'm saying perhaps this offense is really going to run a little bit, I don't know, unorthodox, and we won't have a first wide receiver option, a wide receiver two option. Might be like Tyreek Hill's our deep threat. Travis Kelsey is our guy who's going to get 15 yards up, you know, run a post route across the center, and Noah Gray is going to be hanging out in the flats. But... Armando, what do you expect from Noah Gray in his rookie year? Ooh, I have a few things to say. I have some quotes to read, and then I will address Noah Gray. Okay. First quote is from our favorite, Lewis Riddick. He says, don't forget the name. He's going to be fire. Travis Kelsey, quote, a couple days ago, he says, I can't wait for the world to see what he does. And then quote three to kind of go back to your question, Matt McMullen, who's one of the reporters on the ground, he says, Gray opens up the doors for multiple TE sets. We also saw a lot of great blocking when he was lined up with our offensive line. So the answer is we are going to see a lot of Noah Gray because Noah Gray will free up Travis Kelsey to be a threat in the offense, right? If we have a two tight end set, we'll have Noah Gray maybe be a decoy, but also help that offensive line. And you had brought up having some unorthodox uh, plays or some unorthodox systems in the Kansas City Chief offense, but I would argue that we are actually headed towards an orthodox offensive system that we have not seen because Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, it's fair to say that the way they ran was unorthodox, right? Jet sweeps, um, fake plays, you know, all these different things that define the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes rolling out almost every play that that was all unorthodox. I think it's going to be the opposite. We're seeing in training camp, and this is also a testament to the greatness of the offensive line, we're seeing a ton of pocket passes from Pat in training camp. Now, of course, it's training camp, but previous training camps, Andy Reid was already doing all these jet sweeps, all these different packages, but we're seeing Pat play in the offense. We're seeing Pat play in the pocket. We're seeing Pat do throws that are comfortable. So with all that said, I think Noah Gray is an attribute to that because now he can um, 
Now he can block. Now he can start doing these two tight end sets, all a Brady Belichick, all a Gronk Aaron Hernandez years. You know, it's it's crazy to say, but we're already seeing it in training camp. Andy Reid's had two TE sets before in Philly. Uh, so I am super freaking excited about this. How about you, dude? I am excited, but I'm about to drop another hot take right on your lap. You ready for this? Oh, no. Here he comes. Okay. So... What I am concerned about, I mean, it's not really that much of a concern, but what I could see happening is what I don't want to happen is that there is all this buzz about Noah Gray going into the season. He's going to play such a big role. I can't wait to see what he does. (gasps) And then like a wet fart. We don't see him. We don't see him utilized. Maybe in the first, you know, couple weeks, he gets a few looks. Oh, he ran that route wrong. Ah, lead hands, dropped that pass and they lose faith in him. I don't want to see the tight end equivalent of what happened with like Clyde Edwards Alaire last year. Remember how like we heard all this talk about, oh, he's looking great, you know, running pass routes out of the backfield. He's got such great hands. You know, he's got such great lateral speed and route running, but we never saw it like at all over the span of the season. Right. And, you know, I could definitely see Noah Gray getting lost in blocking formations, so we never really see what he can do offensively. And before you know it, it's three years down the road, and we're saying, okay, it's time for him to prove it now. He's had his rookie year. He's had his sophomore slump. Is Noah Gray ever going to be anything more than a backup tight end? I th- I don't think he is Kelsey's replacement I think he is just a tight end too, and that and that's enough, and that and that's totally enough for us. I think maybe when Kelsey ages out, that Noah Gray then promotes to TE one, but he's not going to be Travis Kelsey. I think Andy Reid will just play to that strength, but being TE two and being an offensive threat is enough, and that's all we need. Also, to to defend Ceh. CH just didn't have a lot of holes to run through. You know what I mean? Like he, he just had an awful offensive line and didn't really have the explosiveness that we saw in training camp that it just didn't allow him to develop. So I think we're going to see a lot of CH. That's, that's another topic though. But I'm very excited because of the offensive line, because Patrick Mahomes is playing in the pocket. Now we have this offensive threat in Noah Gray. I don't think we need that that number two option on in wide receiver because Travis Kelsey is our number two option. And then our number three option, we have, you know, so many to choose from. And for us to have a big wide receiver three option out there, we have so many. I think that's fine for a Super Bowl team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Noah Gray, but... Um, for him to be an option right just like chilling especially in the red zone it's party time baby that's huge and you know speaking of huge i think noah gray is going to be doing two things on this team one i agree with you i don't think he's the heir apparent to travis kelsey i think he's a tight end too and i think he was brought in so that if kelsey ever does have to miss games heaven forbid knocking on wood we have a tight end that is very much more akin to his skill set we can plug in unlike kaiser and yelder and bell and all those other guys who were just you know (laughs) big bodies now speaking of big bodies it's encouraging to me that there's talk in training camp that noah gray's blocking skills are really panning out because one of the knocks against him in the draft is the fact that he's a little bit undersized might we use him in kind of a fullback role which i'm like the dude's six three like why do we use him in a fullback position you know it's like (laughs) anthony sherman was not six three juice check at the 49ers is not six three what's the talk on all this so 
I'm encouraged to see that maybe it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. And we have yeah. a Noah Greyhound purebred ready to get in there and run wild <laughs> over defenses. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just like a quick reaction. It's just this is I am. This is going to be the most unexpected offensive like power that I'll I'll see from the Kansas City Chiefs like I have no idea what to expect week one like yes we've seen Patrick Mahomes play so many years we've seen Travis Kelsey we've seen Tyreek I still because of the offensive line because of Noah Gray uh, second year CEH and then also don't forget Jared McKinnon ladies and gentlemen don't forget his name with all that I I literally have no idea like what plays are going to be ran if it's like I wouldn't be surprised if we beat the Browns by 40 and there was no trick plays and it was all just pocket passes you know uh, Travis Kelsey gets targeted 20 times there was a couple deep runs by Tyreek and we and we win by 40 you know I uh, that scenario is likely but was never likely before right it was always we had to you know be this showstopper rollout offense where now we can literally be whatever we want and that's incredibly scary I'm excited for our offensive line and also the blocking ability of Noah Gray for two big reasons. One, like you mentioned, I am very excited that it can be third and one or third and goal and we don't have to rely on some sort of weird shovel pass or oh. jet sweep or Travis Kelsey, you know, wildcat <laughs> formation right. to get that Saving yard. Us. It'd be like, here, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, get one yard. Ta-da, done. Number two, keeping, keeping Patrick Mahomes on his feet. Last year was three steps dropped. This year is going to be three-step drop. Yes. Oof. Oh, I love that. That was great. Yeah, I mean, I literally, I don't know the range of outcomes. There are many, and I don't know what is going to happen. I just know it's going to be amazing. So stay tuned, Kansas City fans. There was so much more that we have to talk about that we couldn't talk about today because we had so much fun talking about everything else. But stay tuned. Like, we didn't talk about Nick Bolden. We didn't talk about Willie Gay, which I hope he's okay. He got injured today in, in, uh, in practice, but looks like he'll be fine. But anyway, that combo, I mean, we could spend another hour talking about them. That just means we're going to need more content, Reese. We are going to have some more for you so stay tuned reese are you doing anything fun this week what are you up to are you gonna drive up here and see modest mouse with me haha ha, i'm gonna be driving up but not there i have wedding number i think uh let me do the math One, three two. Four? wedding number five of the season to go what? to yeah so holy moly I'll talk about post-covid something i know right it's like you know how the baby boom happened after world war ii it's like the wedding boom post-covid <laughs> oh yeah no kidding sheesh yeah. Well, I hope you get a great craft beer. Please let us know what you are drinking at that wedding. Uh, so we can we can keep tabs. We'll do like wedding Reese wedding bingo. Reese wedding, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. This wedding was pseudo sooth. This last wedding was iced Mirage Maverick or whatever that brand <laughs> they're getting rid of at Coors is. The key key lightful. Oh gosh, key lightful. They, 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 they got on sale. That sounds like a marketing ploy as opposed to an actual beer. Oh, after this podcast, I'll send you what Key Lightful looks like. It's this, it's this pug with like, with this like 2015 like button shirt that you would have worn to a party and these like fake Ray-Bans. It's, it's pretty awful. Okay. Hot take. First person to take a photo of themselves with a Key Lightful can and send it to us is going to get a prize mailed to them. Yes, I, I, I would say if someone sends a picture 
with a key lightful they will automatically be on our patreon and get exclusive content absolutely yeah free free patreonage for for the first with the key life can <laughs> there you go we are this is reese this is armando aka oprah's of sports podcasting <laughs> We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Thank you.